You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DiStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Yeah, his last 20 games been on the ice for 23 goals. Yes. It's, it's not a overly sexy stat, no. I would say. Oh, my impact. <laughs> oh, my impact. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious small salmon glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Jackie Redman will join us in a moment. The Leafs coming off a big win over Chicago last night. She was on... Uh, involved in the TNT coverage. She was ringside here at Scotiabank last night, but we have to address some comments made on Overdrive last night. Because it's funny, A.B., because I think yesterday on Leafs Lunch, I said something to the effect of, oh, it's not an overly cute stat. You did. And you laughed at me. Yep. Yeah, like I, sure. I, I, you audibly let, let out a chuckle at me because I say ridiculous things of the sort all, <laughs> all the time. Yes. And then yesterday, I was yeah. I was walking to the gym or something, and I've got the OD boys on, and you drop overly sexy stat like it's not straight out of the Julia Cherry book app. Uh, 100% it was. Like that <laughs> uh, That was we hang copy, out too much. copy and paste from Julia Cherry's mind, like so, 100%. And I mean, I don't know. I, I It just came out of my mouth that way. I, I guess we do hang out a little bit too much. Well, we, I mean, we host a radio show together. We talk for minimum two hours each day about hockey. But look, I mean... I, when you look at that stat, though, like Justin Hall on the ice, 23 goals the last 20 games. Not an overly sexy stat. So, so A.B., like, I, I, so maybe thinking back to what you were just commenting on about how Sheldon Keefe said he's not going to take much out of this game, like, don't you have to take Connor Timmons' performance into consideration like so, when you're planning your lineup card for next game? So it's funny that you mentioned that because that's, that's what elicited that comment. Right. From from Sheldon Keefe, they asked him like, "Oh, Connor Timmons looked pretty good," and that was his answer. Like, I I'm not looking into tonight's game a whole lot. I would be curious to see if Connor Timmons gets back into the lineup. I'd give him another shot. Yeah. Like, I thought that he played well defensively. I mean, he took those two penalties, which obviously you don't want to see. But you know, outside of those couple of calls, like I thought he played a good game. Right? He showed a willingness to shoot the puck. He can, you know, has a really good first pass. Breaks itself. Breaks the the play out of the zone. Like I think Connor Timmons has the makings of like a good NHLer. Um, Justin Hall, we know what he is. We know what he could do. And he is like a good piece of this blue line on a third pair. I think he plays up the lineup a little bit. But it is going to be interesting to see now how Sheldon Keefe addresses the blue line in this upcoming game Saturday night against Montreal. Does he keep Connor Timmons in there and give him another look, give him another chance? Because he didn't give him, like, he did not give him a a reason to take him out of the lineup. I'll say that. And that's exactly what Sheldon Keefe said. Don't give me a reason. Right. And I don't think anybody on the blue line gave him a reason. Nobody on the back end. So if, if, if that is your criteria for keeping the lineup status quo, you would think that coming Saturday, Timmons should get another look. Yes. I, I think definitely. Yeah. But it's tough for Justin Hall because he, yeah, it is tough. It's This is exactly what happened last year. Like Remember at the beginning of the season before they traded Travis Dermott, there was like a rotation of four guys. It was yeah. all... Lilligren, Sandine, and Dermott. They were all kind of rotating in and out of the lineup. And then they traded Dermott, and then there was injuries. And they then they brought in Gio, and then Sandine was out for the season. And Hall eventually you know, became a, a staple in the lineup. But now that they're back to a situation where there's a little bit of depth there, and they want to get a different look, and Hall's not playing at that elite level that he was earlier in the year, 
you know, it, it, it's, it's not as imperative that they have him in the lineup. I understand there's things that he does that other defenders don't. Like, he's a big part of the team's penalty kill. I also will add that the team is very much an average penalty-killing team. So how, Especially without Jake Moss. Yeah. Right? So, like, I mean, yeah, sure, he plays on the penalty kill, but, I mean, the, the PK is like 78%. It's not like it's an elite penalty kill here. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, a guy like Timothy Lilligren could go and, and take on some of those minutes. You know, we've seen him in penalty kill duties before. So it's, it's going to be a, an interesting thing to track through the last – 27, 28 games, however many is left here, to see how exactly they go about, um, you know, getting Timmins, his looks, getting him his games, and also making sure that they figure out, you know, is Justin Hall a, a piece? Do they make an addition at the deadline that also throws another player into that mix? Like the the least blue line from here on out, I think has it's, it's got my attention. I'll say it's got my attention. Very interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, okay, Jackie Redmond will join us in a moment. She's the host at the NHL Network. She was on TNT's broadcast last night of the Leafs versus Chicago game. Uh, they do these great pregame interviews last night. The subject or maybe victim was Austin Matthews of, of all the chirps that are received in those pregame interviews. So this is what he had to say last night about, about the Leafs and their, their tendency to all wear matching chains. Well, no, we don't have that. Uh, clip it's all right good, now. Josh. All right, we'll play that. Uh, we might play that later. But it, it was here's the thing I find hilarious about that. Like, I wish we had that type of relationship with players to like have those conversations where Biz literally asks them, like, "I want to be part of the chain gang." Yeah. Like, I want to get out there, wear a chain. Like, wh- like you, you know that. Okay, we have it now. Okay, let's play this really quickly. Here was Biz Nasty <laughs> talking with Austin Matthews about uh, being part of the chain gang with the Maple Leafs. Hey, I'm 34. I want to know, is there like an honorary chain gang on the Toronto Maple Leafs? I've noticed that you guys are all wearing chains, and you, and you do about three buttons undone to show off a little chest hair when you guys do your walk-ins. What's up with that? I don't know. I've always worn a necklace uh, since I was younger, so I think it's just habit. But, uh, yeah, the boys aren't, aren't afraid to, to let the chains hang loose a little bit out there. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I've always worn a necklace, so I'm just kind of used to it, I guess. Can I be an honor? Honorary member of the chain gang. You knew this is where it was going. Please, please, yeah. please, please say yes. For, for one of our biggest supporters, of course. Yes. Uh, there we go. We're doing it this year, Austin. We're doing it. Ah, uh, the chain gang. Like, I'm a member of the chain gang. Yes, You're you are. You're a member of the chain gang, aren't you? Under no, there? no. I got nothing underneath. You wear one sometimes, though, don't you? No. I don't know. Maybe I'm just generalizing your chest hair. As, <laughs> that's like, what it is. There like, should be a gold there chain should be hanging something there. Because <laughs> I am a Paisan. Yeah. That's typical. A little chain with a cross on it. Like, if I lived in was from Woodbridge, I'm sure I would have one. Like, Frankie? I'm, I'm Frankie sure there's one, one in your cupboard somewhere that was meant for you at your baptism. Oh, I definitely have, like, jewelry that I was given by, like, my nonna or when I was born, for sure, that at this point call it a chain might so work as a wristlet. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> like, at that point when right. I was a child. But, uh, I don't know. I've never been a big jewelry guy. Like even even watches. Like I I I buy them and then I never wear them. They just sit there and look pretty in the box. They just sit there. Like I I, I don't you understand why. You should have pulled them off for your that. photo shoot yesterday, man. So I was all blinged to, out. I was going to. I, I you know what I should have. Ultimately, I, I I really should have, and I kind of regret not bringing that out there. Well, let's see what Jackie Redmond thinks. Uh, Jackie Redmond, host at the NHL Network, was part of TNT's coverage last night of the Leafs Chicago game. Jackie. On ice jewelry, in or out? 
I'm out. I can't. Like, <laughs> to, to be clear, like I played sports growing up. I'm not speaking out of turn here, all right? So I've worn rings and necklaces and that sort of thing, playing baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it. I don't understand how people do it because it's like, especially a necklace, I just feel like it can move around a lot. And it, I just find it annoying. Even baseball players. I'm like, why do you have to have a big chain around your neck while you're running the bases? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So I am not... <laughs> I'm not looking to be part of anyone's chain gang. So, um, but hey, whatever, whatever works for Austin Matthews works for Austin Matthews. So all the power to him. Yeah, I'm remembering now that like I, my boyfriend has had a family heirloom of mine on his chain and lost it during a hockey game. Oh, so no. now I'm actually <gasps> out on. I'm remembering no. that somewhere there's a cross that belongs to my family at Ryerson University's oh, hockey rink. So now I'm out on on ice jewelry. That's tough. I, that <laughs> well, that happened actually. Was it uh, there was a football game where a guy had a chain and the pendant was given to him by like his father and he lost it. On, at Lambeau Field, uh, I can't, I'm blank on the running back, and then they had to f- try and find it. They eventually did find it, luckily, because I think his father had passed. It was like one of the things that he had yeah. from him, and they found it. The one that I find bizarre is like, like Zeke Elliott does this, where they wear like a bull ring. Like, how do you wear a bull ring in the middle of a, of a game? I'd be so worried about someone trying to yank at that, right. especially in a game oh. like football. Like, oh, yeah. no way. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, seriously. Jackie Redmond on the phone, uh, host of the NHL Network. She was on the broadcast last night for TNT, and you got to caught up, catch up with some of the guys in the Leafs. You could tell that Morgan Riley was happy to see you last night. He gave you kind of a look <laughs> behind the curtains at, at some of the Leaf personalities. What stood out to you about your chat with him? You know, just I just think how much he's grown into being a leader on that team. Like, you know, we always talk about him and his time with the Leafs and being the longest tenured Leafs. One are the longest tenure leaf, excuse me, and I haven't seen him in person in a really long time. So to actually catch up with him, I was like, man, you're like all grown up now. It's so crazy to me. But talking to him in that interview and even a little bit before, you know, I just think that, you know, he's kind of a bit of the heartbeat of this team, right? He's been there for so long. He's been through all of the, you know, ups and the downs over the years, dating back to before Austin Matthews was in town. So for me, he's a good guy to ask about how this team has grown and evolved and changed. And, you know, I got the sense from him that he really believes that they have grown and matured and gotten stronger through the adversity that they faced. And then talking to Sheldon Keith afterwards, you know, he feels the same way. And, and he's really proud of the way the group has handled adversity in season. And he feels like in the last couple of years, they haven't faced the amount of adversity that they have this year in the regular season. And he looks at it as a positive, especially with the way that they've handled it. So, um, yeah, I got, a, I got a very strong sense of, like, mental confidence from the guys that I talked to, if that makes sense. Maybe yeah. that's the inner, inner Leaf fan in me hoping mm. that that's the case. But I truly did get that vibe. Like, I got the impression that this is a team that is not really worried about anything that anyone's saying outside of that room. And they're just focused on, like, all right. We've been through the ringer. We're, we've got a job to do now. So that was positive. Yeah, and, and you know what? I think it's translating on the ice, too. Like, Craig Button joins us every Thursday, and, and he's a big proponent of show me, don't tell me. And I feel like they're showing us this year that things are different. Like, I know we all kind of goofed on John Tavares at the beginning of the year when he said there's been an evolution of maturity with this group. But honestly, when you're watching yeah. this game, and I think a player that I can pinpoint and, and really look at it as like a, a microcosm of that is, is William Nylander. And the season that he's kind of having, and you look at last night, the play on the Connor Timmons goal, like that's just a strong forward.
forecheck. William Nylander putting pressure on the Chicago Blackhawk and ultimately allows the support man and, and, and uh, Matthews get in there and it leads to a goal. And like That's just the type of stuff that I don't know we saw on a consistent basis, but that evolution of maturity is being shown on the ice with plays like that and, and guys like Nylander you know, really buying in. And I think it's what's led to a lot of success this season. Yeah, I totally agree. And I would throw Mitch Marner into that equation as well. Sure. Not necessarily because of the amazing season that he's having, but I just think you listen to him in interviews and stuff now. We all know Mitch Marner, right? Comes into the league. Is he too small? Proves that he's not too small, that he's actually really sick and, and can play at the pro level. Goes on to have a great career, then has the, the playoff performances, you know, puck over the glass, the devastation in the penalty box in that playoff series. Like, a guy that really cares about being a Leaf and being successful, and, you know, he wears it. That's kind of been his reputation, and I feel like this year he's kind of really stepped into his own of, like, okay, I know who I am, I know what I can do, and I'm not phased by the criticism, the pressure, or any of that, where I feel like in the past it's been pretty obvious from the outside that he does care and he does listen to what people are saying, but this year you see him, you know, I think it was on on, um, on a networking in Canada, actually. They asked him about Brad Marchand's quote a week ago about, oh, all he talks about is, like, his video games and his dog, and he laughed about it. <laughs> he wasn't faced by it at all. He was just like, hey, I don't really recall ever talking to Brad on the ice, but, hey, that is what I do in my spare time. I like video games, and I love my dog. Like, so what? And so I feel like that is is kind of a sign of a player that is very comfortable with who they are and isn't worried about proving it so much anymore. And he's having, obviously, a heck of a season and, and having fun, you know, with the reminder of his dog Zeus on all of his equipment and everything else. So I do feel like we're seeing a very... We're seeing a Mitch Marner that I think is more comfortable in his skin than ever, not just on the ice, but off of it, too. Yeah, they're feeling themselves. You just get good vibes coming off the off that team and out of that <laughs> locker room right now. Uh, okay, last night, the focus in Toronto was kind of on uh, well Austin Matthews returning of course and he was so good but a lot of people ISO camming Patrick Kane last night and I heard you talking about the possibility of maybe Patrick Kane to the leaves ahead of the game it feels like a pipe dream like it doesn't feel real and in the past couple days it started to feel like a thing that could actually potentially happen so how do you feel about it all Jackie well, here's the thing. So I'm I'm a WWE girl, right? I like wrestling. Yeah. And yes. in wrestling, we do this thing called dream booking. And, you know, you kind of throw realistic expectations out the window, and you're like, what is a dream matchup or a dream scenario that I would just love to see that might not ever happen? And for me, seeing Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews on the same team is something that I would just, I would just kill to see it. You know, they're two American-born players. Patrick Kane is a player that Austin Matthews you know, really admired, you know, coming up in the game. They had the, the famous um, goal response game a couple of years ago where they did the, like, listening to the crowd symbol yeah. or whatever the heck it was. Like that crazy hockey <laughs> It was like the Hulk Hogan, right? Ago. The Hulk Hogan? Yeah, the Hulk Hogan, exactly. And so I just think it would be really fun. And if you can't dream book and come up with dream scenarios two weeks before the trade deadline, then, like, what are we doing, you know? So for me... It might not be the best fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they need necessarily. But I think it would be fun to see. I will say this. You know, having watched Patrick Kane up close last night, I feel like he really needs to maybe get that hip 
perfect. Yeah, like it wasn't much yeah. of an audition last night, right? Like if he was yeah. looking to make an impression on Maple Leafs fans, people in the building, Kyle Dubas, not much of an audition last night. Yeah, it didn't look great, right? And like to his credit, like, and I mean this in the most respectful way, like he's not exactly playing with the most elite players in the league right now. Right. But I just think he's clearly banged up. He's not the Patrick Kane that that we're used to seeing. And I saw a lot of takes too last night after the game, like, oh, is Patrick Kane done? Is he is he over? This guy had over ninety points last year. I don't think Patrick Kane is washed. I think Patrick Kane is banged up, and I think that he should probably deal with that especially now that he didn't go to his, his preferred destination, the New York Rangers, maybe take care of yourself and then figure it out later. That doesn't really help the Chicago Blackhawks, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. What did you make of Max Domi's game last night? Because of all of the players that you know maybe Toronto could be interested in, he was the one that kind of stuck out to me most. Like I guess I'll, I'll ask you about two players in particular last night. Who do you think would sure. be a better solution on that second line left wing spot, Max Domi or Alex Kerfoot? Oh, that's a hard question. Uh. <laughs> I like the question though. The thing with Max Domi is that up in you know the last few years since he left Montreal and before arriving in Chicago, he bounced around a little bit, right? So he finally finds a home with the Blackhawks. He's very familiar with the Blackhawks head coach who was in Montreal when he was there. So I think that's a nice relationship for him. And obviously, you know, despite everything that we've been saying about Patrick Kane having this down year, I mean, Max Domi has gotten the opportunity to play with Patrick Kane. And even though Patrick Kane isn't having a Kane-like season, a Showtime season necessarily, that's still going to benefit Max Domi. So I'm like, okay, you take him out of that situation where there's no pressure and he's not getting to play with Patrick Kane. He doesn't play with him full-time, but he, he played with him last night a little bit. Um, then, then what are you going to get? I just don't know. I'm always worried about a player that bounces around from a few different teams and struggles to find a spot. Like, why is that? How come it didn't work in Carolina? Because Carolina is a good team. Why weren't yeah. you able to contribute there? You know, yeah. in Chicago, yes, he's having a great year. I'm super happy for him. He's a great guy. But is it because there's not a whole lot else going on on that team and there's no expectations? I don't know the answer to that, but I could see why that would be a player that the Leafs might be looking at just because of his contract situation. Yeah, the last name doesn't hurt either. It's, it's always nice to have uh, a last yeah. name like that around here. Uh, with Jackie Redmond right now of the now, NHL Network. Now, would, jo- would Joey Anderson be willing to give up 28? I think he would. I think that one would be a little bit easier than the 88 situation. I think Domi would, would be able to make that happen. Yeah, uh, With Jackie Redmond right now of the NHL Network. Okay, before we move on from the Leafers, Jackie, we haven't gotten to talk to you in a while, and, and we probably won't ahead of the trade deadline. So what does an ideal trade deadline for the Maple Leafs look like to you? Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to make it happen, but we've, we've spent a lot of time talking on our show about Barbashev and St. Louis. I know it's a player that a lot of teams really like, which is going to drive the price up. Um, but I think he, he fits what they need. He can do a lot of different things. I think he's a, a bigger player that um, can kind of give the Leafs a little bit of a different look. And he's not super expensive. So to acquire him, I think, would be easier than acquiring a big-name player with a, with a bigger cap hit. And then it gives you room to also maybe add a depth piece on the back end. I've been kind of going back and forth with what I think is more important. Like, 
the Leafs need a middle six, bottom six forward more than they need help on the back end, or is it the reverse? And I feel like every day I have a different opinion. Yeah, but I think <laughs> I'm with to, you. They need, yeah, like I think they need to try to find a way. And I think if they if they get a Barbashev, then maybe they can add. I, I'm a big fan of this for like emotional reasons. I feel, but like maybe you get a Barbashev and, and a Luke Shen. Although I know Calgary is interested in Luke Shen. Luke Shen is not going to solve your problems and, and win you a cup, but he is a nice six-seven defenseman that provides a layer on the back end that the Leafs don't really have right now. Like Luke Shen is a hitting machine. He works his tail off. He's not very fast, but I think in a limited role, deep on the back end. I mean, Tampa made it work with him, right? He won two cups with Tampa, so he can be useful. I think when he's slotted in the right spot in Vancouver, I think he just has a little bit too much responsibility. But I think if you if you get a forward, a higher end forward for your middle six, bottom six, whatever, and then get a um, a piece on the back end, I think that's kind of the ideal scenario for me. Maybe it's not Luke Shen, maybe it's someone else. But I think they got to try to do both. Unfortunately, Jackie, who's a team that's kind of hiding in the weeds that you think could make a splash that's not getting talked about a whole lot here coming up to the deadline? Ooh, a splash at the deadline. Well, I think Tampa always does something that we don't see coming, right? Like, they're going to go acquire some player, and we're going to be like, what? (laughs) And then that player is going to score a game winner in game six for them and, like, send them to the second round or something. Um, So Tampa's always interesting. I think we could see Dallas make a big move. Um, You know, they're playing very well in the West. And they're a team that I think – They've, we've talked about them. They've lost a lot of games in overtime or the shootout. So it's, we kind of phrase it like they just need that extra goal, you know? They just need a little bit of extra offense. So maybe a Patrick Kane goes to Dallas, although after what we saw last night, maybe that's not the greatest fit um, in terms of his health. But I think the Dallas Stars could be a team that we see make a move. I think the Seattle Kraken maybe could try to make a move. They've had – you know, a surprising but good season. They've started to struggle here a little bit more um, since the All-Star break. So I could see them trying to do something to make the playoffs because I think it's important to them um, to get that team in the postseason, give that fan base something uh, to cheer for in April. So I think the Seattle Kraken might be a team that does something that we don't see coming because no one's really talking about Seattle. Yeah, I yeah. think they could make a move. Is Vegas like eerily quiet to you with that with Stone on the IR? Like they always just do something erratic at the deadline. They do. Like they always go out and get the big fish, right? Yeah. Like they go out, they get a big name player, and they're like, "We don't care if it doesn't make sense. We will do it." Like, yeah. And then we'll figure it out. How you how know? how about remember the first year? Well, they gave up a first, yes. a second, and a third for Thomas Tatar, and then scratched him throughout the play. Oh my oh, gosh! Like, yeah. what are you? Do like I remember at the I time being like, about that. <laughs> like, oh, that was just such a bizarre deal at the time. It was, it was just insane what they gave up. It's as if they had so many picks and prospects from when they were farming, when they, you know, were coming into the league that they're like, we don't care. We're going to give this stuff away like candy. Yeah. Come on down, Tommy Tatar. And then all yeah. of a sudden they're like, oh, actually, you're not great. We're never. not going to play you at all. <laughs> so bizarre. Like, actually, remember that thing? Never mind. We're, we're over it already. Yeah, we've moved uh, on. I had, totally, I had totally forgotten that that even happened. I don't know about Vegas. I just think they're, they are not the same team without Mark Stone. I think that's that's very obvious. And now they've got injuries in net. Like, I don't know. Vegas is a weird team to me that, 
maybe if they if they don't do something significant at the deadline, like I could see Vegas falling out. At the same time, I could see them winning the division. Yeah, the Pacific is weird, man. Yeah. Extremely. Like, I don't know what to expect. Anyone could win it. Um, so we'll see. But Vegas, just to me, I just can't buy in. All season, I've been off with them. So I, they probably should do something. Um, but I don't. I don't know that they. I don't know what they could do. Well, I mean, the Patrick Kane was. Was, was referenced to them, but does Patrick Kane want to go there? I don't know. Does he really solve anything? I don't know. I don't know. Show- Ryan O'Reilly. Showtime in Vegas doesn't make some sense. I know. Well, because yeah. it's just like you know they're going to do something. Like yeah. they always yes. do do something. But yeah, who knows if they feel like uh, if they, if they're ready to compete, if they're ready to do something big and something bold. Like yeah, right now they're they're leading the division, but two points separates you know first from fourth. Really, you know. Who- you know who I think really needs to do something is uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm. They're a really, really good regular season team. Um, but with the Pacioretty injury and what that does for them um, with their cap, I just think they, like, this is the year I think they need to have a little more, like, oomph in their lineup. They're a really solid team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But they are this team that has proven to be really solid in the regular season. They get to the playoffs, and they're okay, but they're just not – they don't have that killer instinct in a series. Maybe a healthy Freddie Anderson helps them, although he has his own playoff <laughs> yeah. stuff to prove, right? Yeah. So Carolina, to me, is like they're a team that's been knocking on the door for a while now. they got to take that next step, and I think they might need a little – to borrow a term from Mike Rupp, a little pizzazz in their lineup. Mm. So what does that look like? I'm not sure, but I do think Carolina needs to do something. We'll see if they do. Two deep cuts in that final answer from you. Killer Instinct and Freddie Anderson. <laughs> I had to bring up right at the end there, Jackie. So uh, bad. So bad. <laughs> the Leafs' greatest hits. Oh, yeah. There it is. There it is. Really appreciate you taking the time, as always, Jackie. Thank you so much, and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. Hey, full disclosure, I totally forgot I was doing this. So if you heard my treadmill in the background, I'm sorry. You're doing amazing. happening right now. You did fantastic. <laughs> did fantastic. Hey, actually, I do got to ask you. I do have to ask you one wrestling-related question. Oh, go for it. Does Sammy win it? Does he take uh, the belt off Roman? Here's the thing. I want it to happen so bad. And Sammy Zayn has just become this unbelievable superstar. He's like everyone's favorite WWE superstar right now. I know. The thing is, I don't trust Roman, and I definitely don't trust Paul Heyman. I just have a feeling, and this is, I don't have any inside info. This is just pure speculation, to be clear. I don't trust that family. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) something might happen. I'm sure they're going to have some sort of trick up their sleeve. The fact that Roman's like, I'm going to go to Montreal alone. I'm like, you don't go anywhere alone. <laughs> like, that's not happening. So, I, know. I don't know. I, I don't. Something's up is what I'm saying. Yeah. Something is up. It's going to be uh, must watch for wrestling fans. Julia, Big I don't time. know how much she's going to be interested in that, <laughs> but I bet you, you and I, you and I will, uh, will be, will be watching that one. I uh, appreciate Buddy, it. I'll be I'll be streaming it from Mexico. Oh, wow. Love better. that for you. Even better. <laughs> well, enjoy the sun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, we'll chat again soon. There she goes. Jackie Redmond. What a weapon. She was running there. You could barely tell. I, I picked up on it. There's I, a couple times where it's like, it, like, sounds like she, it sounds like she was getting out of breath. 
for a couple of times. I'm like, is she is she on the treadmill? I'm not like, a very I good runner. Did think that I would not? I would be dying. There's no way I could have answered a single question. You put me on the <laughs> treadmill and a talk. No, it's yeah. not happening. For very me, very multi talented. Yeah, Excellent job. Yeah, well, Jackie's the best. Seriously, she is. A weapon, as you uh, as you would say, as I so eloquently put, as I do most things. Um, what was I? What was I? Get? Oh yeah, the, the the deep cuts thing. So funny, Killer Instinct, Freddie yeah, Anderson I'm like, playoffs. Really, really, all three of those. Because just... when she was describing, and, and you know what? Maybe there are more parallels between Carolina, Carolina, and Toronto yeah. than than we want to acknowledge because oh, Carolina sure has won a little bit more in the postseason, have at least gotten through. Uh, you but know. there are two teams the last like three years that have been. Knocking on the door. Unbelievable regular season teams who just can't seem to figure it out in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? Like, at least Carolina's won rounds and, like, they've gone on. But the killer instinct point is is exactly that. Like, they've yet to really put a team away. And they've had opportunities, and, and they just haven't been able to do that. And whether that's goaltending that kind of messes up for them or they can't find the goal at the right time, um, you know, that's that's been, their, that's been their Achilles heel. And, again, Toronto – very similar thing. I mean, goaltending's been okay for them, but they just can't seem to get that goal at the right time from the right guy. Yeah. And, and that's been a big issue. I was talking about this with Frankie yesterday, where Carolina, he believes that Carolina's, uh, like, that's a team he thinks is one piece away from, from like, cup serious cup contention. Like, if they can add an upgrade to, like, their number two center role, that's a team in the East that, that is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. Right, so that's uh, yeah. Carolina was and they get goaltending too. Like yeah, put in uh, Peter Kachekov. Get out of here, Freddie. That's your favorite guy. Get out of here, Auntie. Let's get Peter Kachekov and yeah. let's win us a Calder Trophy. And me and Aaron Karolnik can uh, go and join Jackie in Cabo in Mexico on vacation because we have sizable wagers. Love on it. That guy winning, which doesn't look great because I'm pretty sure he's back in the minors right now, yeah, which is, is very unfortunate for. Uh, for that uh, that award, so um, I, I've kind of already moved moved past that one. Not going to okay. happen. It's okay. okay. All right. On the other side, it's Thursday. We've got a Thursday three pack. Looking at three teams under the radar as we head into the NHL trade deadline. We'll tell you who those teams are on the other side. I'm Mike Stefano with Julia Tashari. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Weekend. So a 30? 30? I didn't even realize. Right? 30 years today. One of Toronto's faves? 33, sorry. 33 years old. Scarborough boy. Scarborough. Right here in Scarborough. Also, every time I hear Scarborough, do you also think about Akil Thomas? And Liam Fudu. <laughs> yeah. Scarborough. Scarborough. Every time. So do I. He designed some really nice jerseys for... Um, I think Akil's out for the season as of right now. Like I think he's got to have he's got that bad shoulder. He's having mm. another surgery, but he designed uh, LA's Black History Night oh, cool. jerseys, and they were really cool. He did a he's got that lines. Well, he cool yeah, because he, he legitimately has like a clothing, like a clothing line. line. Yeah, yeah, he's right. a good kid. Um, how did we get here? Oh, famous Scarborough celebrities. Well, uh, the weekend. <laughs> the weekend. The Michael Bunting. Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, yes. First Caleb time Ray. I think I've ever called him Michael on this day. Yeah, that was weird. It took me a but second. Mike Johnson. Actually, remember we MJ? called him Michael that one day when we were comparing him to Michael Bunting, our favorite Michaels from Scarborough. Ah, yeah. Uh, Kayla Gray. I'm thinking of somebody else right now, though, but this is me. 
Samer. Scarmer? Samer's a scarmer. Samer! Oh my god! I, did, Wayne Simmons was the first person I was going to go to, and I, I lost him somewhere in my head. Anyways, happy birthday to the weekend. What did you think of his Super Bowl performance? I liked his Super Bowl performance. I thought it was really cool. His is a recent flop to me. Really? I know. I, did, I don't know why I didn't like it very much. I thought they've been on a pretty too good much run. In the room. It did create a lot of good memes, though. This confused the, the, the guy walking one? around in the hallway. Yeah, it did. It did. But I thought it was really cool. Like, I, I don't know. I, I liked the weekend, so I, I liked a lot of the songs. Yeah. And it was a performance. Like, he was all over the stadium. Like, the guy literally teleported. Like, at one point, he was all the way up top, and then he was all the way at the bottom. And I still don't know how that happened. No, me neither. Like, I, I'm. Especially pr- with all the time wandering confused in that hallway. <laughs> like, I, I still think one of two things. Either he's a clone. Yeah. Right? And he's an alien, because we know that aliens now exist. Yes. He's one of them. And there was two of them. He split himself into two different people. Right. And there was one guy up there. Or, like, there, there must have been, like, some sort of dummy up there. Like, I... I or stuff was pre-taped and they fed it to us differently. No, because no known in, in, people would have known in the building that he wasn't there if it was pre-taped. I have no idea what went on in the building. I don't know. I have no idea. I, I thought it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool event. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Okay, we'll get to our Thursday three-pack. Michael Myers is another Scarbo guy, too. Really? Yeah. Wow. New info. That's cool. Nick? Is Nick from Scarborough? Our Nick board? who? Nick, our producer? Yep. I don't believe he's from no, Scarborough. No, his grandpa's hey, he's from Mrs. Scarborough. Miss Saga guy. Um, okay, so trade deadline, March 3rd. We'll get to our Thursday three-pack in a moment. Player of interest here in Toronto, particularly when we did our little Valentine's Day Leafs Love is Blind exercise. Yes. I ended up landing on Morgan, not Morgan Riley, Ryan O'Reilly as a as the, probably the most attractive forward target for the Leafs in a perfect world to me. Um, in so, a, in a uh, what, what did she call it again? Uh, you should know. This is a booking? wrestling term. I know. It was a dream I, booking. Dream booking. Thank you. Um, yeah, in a dream booking type of scenario, of course. Jason Greger was doing some reporting on, on Ryan O'Reilly and the interest that he's garnering currently, and apparently there's a lot of it. He says one player, not surprisingly, getting lots of interest is Ryan O'Reilly. Ten teams have reached out to the Blues. Might turn into a bidding war for his services. Hmm. So, A.B., here's the question. If it does turn into a bidding war, are the Leafs, should the Leafs still be in on acquiring Mr. Ryan O'Reilly? Like, the problem is I don't know how to answer that until I know exactly what the price is. Right. And who's more attractive to you, for the record? Is it Barbashev or O'Reilly from the Blues? Well, again, it's it's depending on the depends price. On the rest, but it sounds like, like both of those guys are going to be very highly sought after at the deadline. Yeah. Both of those guys are going to be really high on people's list. Well, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So I, I think case, maybe but. maybe my way to answer this question more is like, is he still a target? Is he still the best target if the Leafs do have to give quite a bit up? And and my answer is. Yes, and if Barbashev is the is the best option for the Leafs, if the Leafs decide that he's their best option, they still have to give a lot up for him. Uh, and that results in, because that Barbashev sounds like it could get into a bidding war type of situation too. Yeah. I think they have to be in still. I think that this is the year, this is the all in year. to push all your chips in and try to win a Stanley Cup. This is the year that they've got to show it to us. There's yeah. not going to be another press conference after the first round where it sounds like we're running it back and bringing back the whole core and we're bringing back Kyle and bringing back Sheldon. Like That's not going to happen if, if this goes the same way this year. So my answer is yes. Like If he's the best option and it's going to cost a lot, you have to make it happen. I think I'd be willing, I'd be more willing 
to pay up on O'Reilly than it would for Barbashev. Okay. I think. So if if both you got to pay up on, I probably would rather get into that O'Reilly bidding war, even if it does cost a little more. Because I think that he'd be more so like the right – he might be the right piece. Because I think he's got the ability to go and he could play top six minutes on the wing, and he could definitely fill that second-line role there. You could push Tavares to the wing too. That's another option, I suppose. Um, but I think what he also does is you could put him at 3C and just be so deep down the middle, move Camp down to the fourth line where he could be properly slotted as a, a shutdown guy down there. And then I just look at how much deeper those top three lines are. Like that's 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 a top nine at that point if you got Ryan O'Reilly on your third line. And we talk about the depth in Boston, the depth in Tampa. Like that's how you're going to match that, I think, is by having three deep lines, maybe even four. Like, Tampa rolls four lines. Yeah. Boston, they roll four lines. Toronto's got to feel comfortable in rolling four lines. And I think you, you maybe you would feel more comfortable with O'Reilly in your lineup as as on the third line. They went with putting Barbashev on your second line then maybe Kerfoot down to your third and fourth. Yeah, yeah. So I, O'Reilly would be the answer there that I'd rather get into that bidding war than it would for, for Barbashev. I think like as good as Barbashev is, I, I believe... Like he does fit with the, what this team would need, but is there, if you're getting into a bidding war for him, like may you be better off getting, let's say, Max Domi for a third round pick? Right. But when it comes to, there's a bidding war. It's a player that the Leafs want. It's going to cost a lot. I'm in on that, yes. Yeah, I still think that they should be engaged either way. It can't be another year of picking through at Value Village of discarded third-line wingers that haven't worked out with other teams that the Leafs will rehab into someone competent. Just not for this run. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I agree with you in that, in that aspect where identify who you want. Whoever that player is, identify them. Go after and freaking pay for it. Up, like you got to pay for it. Go look at how Tampa won their Stanley Cups. Yep. What did they do? They got into the bidding wars for David Savard, where they had to give up a first round pick. They gave that up. They got into a bidding war where they had to give up first round picks for Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman. They were willing to give those up. What happened? All three of those gentlemen, along with everybody else in that organization, won, won themselves two Stanley Cups. Stanley were Cup they champions. worth that? Technically, probably not, but they identified the certain players that they needed to win a championship, and they felt that that was necessary to do because they're at that time where it's like, we got to push the chips all in. And I'm with you. The Leafs are there where there may be a piece or two um, away from from considering themselves as, as favorites in the East. And they probably do consider themselves that as is, but if you add and you get a couple more pieces that really bolsters your lineup, this is really your time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, are they worth that? Probably not. Was it worth the Stanley Cups? Yep. Hell yeah. It Hell was yeah, it the was. Stanley Cups. Uh, and that's our preaching moment for the day. And, yeah. and with that, let's get to our... Wait. Why don't we take a break and come back and do it? Okay. Because now we'll have like two minutes. You're right. Let's take a You're break, right. reset, and then get into it and, and give it to our Thursday 3 Our full attention. A proper full segment. So let's take a break uh, and get back to our Thursday 3-pack. So I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Teixeira. There's some Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. your big advice count to three yeah whenever you get scared about anything you just do this you just count to three and then do it so i'll give you to the count of three one two three not only you and me got 180 degrees and i'm caught in between leaves lunch is brought to you by vanilla visa prepaid cards available for purchase at petro canada the perfect gift for any occasion and with that we'll get to our thursday three packs 
three teams that we think are kind of flying under the radar in the NHL that that could be factors at the deadline and, and come April. So um, let's go through them three to one. So I, I want to start with a team actually like on the fly and make it a change to what I think. Okay. I want to put in here because three teams that are flying under the radar. Like I think we 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 talked about Dallas, and I want to put Dallas in here. So I want to make sure that we get them. Maybe as an honorable mention. Okay, actually. they can I'm be start an honorable mention. mention. Wow, they're so under the radar team. that we forgot them on their that's, on our under the radar. And, list. and that's why because when Jackie brought up, she's like, "Yeah, like Dallas." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. They could Dallas. do something like that's a team that's certainly in the mix in the West, and they're probably you know you add a piece, and all of a sudden you are a serious contender. So I do want to say Dallas, just so that we got that. What is out the there. piece for Dallas? Always just another goal? Probably or? yeah, like another forward. I would say is, is probably what they would need. Someone else in that. Time. Top six, like Denis Gurionov, I think they expected him to be that top six goal scorer. It just hasn't quite turned out to be the case. Like I remember when they went to the Cup final, he was a big piece of that puzzle, and he just hasn't been the guy ever since. So I think they can go out and get themselves uh, another bona fide goal scorer. Like you know, Patrick Kane was was brought up. You know, was a name who I've been thinking about a little bit, and really it's complete recency bias. And he's not a goal scorer, but. Johnny Druin is back from Montreal. He's got two points, or yeah. five points, rather, in, uh, in, in the, his last two games. And I wonder if he's a guy who's on an expiring deal, pending UFA. Could a team sniff around if, if Montreal retains some money on, on a Johnny Druin as a little bit of an offensive spark? Interesting thought. Yeah. Interesting. Something to chew on, kinda, if you will. Yes. Dallas is kind of a team I look at as a potential option. Um, okay. Colorado is another team. Yeah, Colorado is a weird one because it's not like they're it's like they're the worst kept secret in the NHL right now because they're you just don't hear their name and it links any of these big guys though. No, that's, that's true. That's so bizarre. But but is it because it should be. <laughs> yeah, is it because they're like the injuries have ravaged them so much this year? It's like they don't really seem scary, but everyone has this little little bookmark on Colorado that's like, oh right, but they'll go far in the playoffs and they'll be fine. They'll yeah. they'll figure it out. You know what I mean? It's it's exactly. It's like they they've this is a team, so they're not in a situation where you know the Landeskog is going to go on IR for the entire season and they have the, all that cap space to use. So they don't have much cap. So I think that's another big reason why they're not being linked to a lot of these teams. Yeah, but also like they're still a glaring hole. From Birkowski leaving and also Nazem Kadri. They have not filled that. They thought maybe Evan Rodriguez could do it. They thought maybe Alex Newhook could take that step. Just hasn't been the case. And with all these injuries, it was even more evident. Because last year, Nate McKinnon missed a lot of time through the regular season. right? I, I'm pretty sure Landis Gog missed some time too. But Kadri stepped up and they didn't miss a beat. That's what they're missing to me. I think they're under the radar. I, I, I'm hoping that they know that and quietly Joe Sackick kind of hiding in the weeds and maybe thinking about making a push to get a Ryan O'Reilly, bring him back into the fold. Whoa, back in Colorado? Yeah. Like I forgot. A- so when we were playing, like just to expose myself, while we were playing the role-playing game, I was like three teams. I always forget about the Ryan O'Reilly first stop. So technically, technically, I, I remembered this afterward. Four. Give it to me. Calgary offer sheeted Ryan O'Reilly <gasps> technically, and it was accept. It was it was uh, Colorado retained his services. Right. Technically, you could have said four, but anyways, that's a complete uh, aside there. But Colorado is a team of, of interest for sure. That thing's kind of flying under the radar. That is a piece away, 
And I, I could see them maybe doing something. They're not getting talked about as, you know, the guys who are involved in a lot of these big deals. Yeah. Um, okay. So the first team on our list, the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets are very interesting to me. I know that I was listening to Noodles talk about them yesterday. He's really hot and heavy on the Winnipeg Jets. I don't know if I fully understand them because, candidly, I haven't watched a, a ton of their games. Good but they're getting deep. Vesna caliber goaltending. They've got... Josh Norsey. Norsey having the year that he's having. Yep. Uh, but they're kind of missing what Dallas is missing and, and what Toronto's probably looking for in, I don't know, Timo Meyer. Like, what are they looking for? Oh, yeah. If they get a Timo Meyer, that'd be so I big feel like them. that. I know Craig said Calgary, but I've been thinking about Timo Meyer in, in Winnipeg a little bit. They've got money. They've got cap space to do that. Like, I, I think, uh, what are they at, $7 million? Something about him being from Switzerland to me is also helpful. I'm like, yeah, maybe so they like, like Winnipeg. They like the snow. <laughs> Like he'd be willing to go you know to how, a cold climate. Because somehow in my head, this is this is how it works. Yeah, Timu loved Winnipeg. He was from Finland. Timo. So Timo <laughs> so from Switzerland. I know a little different, but one of those, one of those uh, cold European countries. Where's I was Ehler, like, yeah, Ehlers is what Danish. Enjoy it. Yeah, okay, he's Danish. Cold there in the winter? Well, that's like a, just like a fellow, what do they call that little spot? I don't know. Sweden, I keep embarrassing uh, myself. Uh, someone behind the scenes, let me know. What do they call that little Scandinavian? spot? Scandinavian. Okay, that is it. cool. So the Scandinavian. That's humiliating. A little Scandinavian ties with a couple of guys, a couple of guys. And I'm not a geography major, okay? I did English and, and, and sports, and that's about it. Geography, math, not my forte, as we've, uh, we've learned. Um, do you consider Vegas under the radar, though? I, I think that they're under the radar because I just see them making a move. Like, they've got all this cap space. I know that they're not the same group with Mark Stone, but I'm hard-pressed to picture Kelly McCrimmon standing pat at a trade deadline. It's yeah. not his vibe. That's true. And there's not a whole lot of, like, fireworks right now with Vegas. Like, the they're West not really is linked so, to a whole lot. No, that's true. It's so wide open. The West is so winnable that I can't picture him sitting out. There's, and you know what the other thing that, like, doesn't get talked about very much that could... The East is so much stronger than the West, right? Yeah. It gives the team from the West such an advantage in the Stanley Cup Final, I think, mm-hmm. because the team from the East is so banged up by the time that they get there. That, anyways, this was just a thought that I was having last night. That even though the East is so much bigger than better than the West, the West has such an advantage when it comes to that last yeah. series. A hundred percent. Like you look at that last year, Tampa had to go through Toronto. Then they had to go through Boston. They crawled their way to the last game. And then New York was also like a difficult. So like they got there and they were battered, bruised, and beaten. Yeah. And Colorado, not Slept as their much, first series right? against Nashville. Yeah. They... Connor Ingram had one great game, just like he did last night. <laughs> yeah. And and other than that, like you know, it was pretty easy pickings. And I think they won what in six against St. Louis, and then in five against Edmonton. It was quick work. It was quick work, and and they were a little fresher. Um, and the Stanley Cup final, like we can see some more things really quickly though. Like that Pacific Division, just talk about how close it is. Two points separates first and fourth oh in that division. Gosh. Edmonton currently in fourth with sixty six points. Vegas in first with sixty eight points. So like all four of these teams are within six hundred and a six thirty win percentage. Also points percentage. So. It's it's going to be a dogfight, so who makes that big upgrade to give themselves that little oomph, that, that little boost to get home ice advantage the first two rounds? That's why we look at these teams, Vegas, L.A., Seattle, Edmonton. You could throw Calgary in there potentially as well. Why they could be big players here at the trade deadline because there's an opportunity to win the division, and I think you're probably going to have to make a move to do so. Um, fun show today. 
Really good stuff. Good party. Appreciate uh, Craig and, and Jackie for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at noon. Also, Summer McIntosh, Blake Bolden, going to be joining Gameplay today with Maddie Cause. Uh, so that's a quick little update on what's coming up over the next couple hours on the station. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on TSN1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.